welcome back to But What's Next with me, Michelle Reed. This is an episode that I am so excited for, which I know I always say, but it's a really special episode because it is someone who I didn't really grow up around, but I recently met in New York City and she's just so cool. She is actually the co-founder of Kapari. If you guys know the brand, they do a lot of coconut-based beauty products, lotions, all those things, but she's also a mom, she's a wife, she has a family, she has a ton of friends, and so she just talks a lot in this episode about starting a business, specifically starting a business when you are maybe older in age, when you have a family, what that's like, cultivating work-life balance, you know, running this company that is so successful, but also, you know, raising children and being a good wife. And I think that's something that I don't hear a lot on podcasts. I hear a lot of career advice, a lot of, you know, advice on starting a business, but not necessarily raising a family at the same time. And I just thought it was a very interesting perspective, especially from someone who is running such a successful business, but you would never know. She, you can kind of tell in this episode, but she's absolutely so humble. She's kind, very thoughtful about her responses, but just a very fun person to be around. It's funny because I actually met her because she was in the city for some work for Kapari. And she wanted to go out to lunch with a few influencers. And so she took me and then I think it was about five other influencers. We went out to lunch at this really cute place called ABC Kitchen. And it was so fun. I have interacted with a lot of brands being in New York City. I've gone to a lot of events, met up with brands, gone to meetings, all that jazz. And I'm so grateful I get to. But I never had like the founder of a company actually take me out for lunch just to get to know me and we were there for three hours and it was so natural and just a good time and it really made me want to learn more about the brand because she was so intentional about building that relationship and so I'm so excited for this episode I think she's so sweet and so kind and Gigi's the best so I really think you guys are gonna learn a lot from this let me know if you do and let's just go ahead and get into it I am so excited because today I have Gigi Goldman on the podcast so happy to be here. Yeah, we actually met probably about a month ago. I would yes. say you were here. Uh-huh. She came to the city and then was so sweet and took out a few of us influencer gals and we got to hear about Kopari. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she is the co-founder of Kopari and I had the best time at lunch with you. I think we were there for like three hours. I know. We, we said all- it was an hour lunch and then we couldn't stop talking. And I want to say something that really touched my heart was mm-hmm. your personal handwritten letter. Yeah. I think it's a lost art, and I think they're so powerful. Mm. And when I got that, I just had the biggest smile on my face all day. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was so thankful you decided to take us out because from my perspective, I feel like I meet a lot of people at brands, but it's always just through the internet, and it's never that Mm face-to-face connection. And so it was so fun. And it's funny because now I have been talking with all the girls that you invited to that lunch. And so not only did I get to meet you, now I have all these other relationships. So I was just so thankful. And it was so fun. I'm so happy. And I was so thankful, too. I think connection is something that we're all missing nowadays oh, with yeah. all of this technology, which technology is amazing. But I think that connection is so mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm so excited for this podcast because I think we all know of Kopari. Mm-hmm. I always ask my friends, do you guys know Kopari is? And then they always mention the deodorant. That's yeah. their favorite deodorant. Um, but I'm sure that a lot of you guys don't know the story behind Kopari. Mm-hmm. And so 
I'm so excited to dive into the questions. The first one I wanted to ask you, this is one of the questions I ask everyone who's on right. the podcast, but it is, what is one thing you would tell your 22-year-old self if you could go back when you're just starting? For sure. Well, I'm now 45 and I've mm-hmm. learned a lot over the years, but at 22 years old, I would just say everything's going to be okay. You do you, mm-hmm. work hard, um, keep putting one foot in front of the other, but it's all going to work out. Yeah, I think that's really good advice because I know whenever I graduated college, seeing everyone around me, you know, get these jobs or get internships or do all these things, sometimes there is a temptation to feel like you're behind everyone else. But the more that I get older, the more I realize that not everyone has everything together and that's okay and that is honestly better because then you can truly figure out what you want to do and you just take your time. Exactly. And I think, you know, we can all look at each other and I can tell you this, no one has it all together ever. Like I'm still figuring it out and every day I just try and do my best Mm -hmm. instead of projecting or going back, but just really being present and being your best self and not looking at other people, but just really looking inward to find Mm -hmm. your roadmap. Totally. I love that. And then also, what is one skill you think is important to have when starting your career that no one really talks about? I think one of the biggest um, predictors of success, and this is something I really look at in my kids, is Mm -hmm. grit. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by grit is um, it's a definable word. So it's Mm -hmm. something where you've got... um, you know, resilience, you've got a clear path, you've got an optimistic outlook. Mm -hmm. But I think grit is so important. And especially as an entrepreneur, um, Mm -hmm. you really need to have that resilience, but that positive outlook, you need to keep putting one foot in front of the other, as I Mm -hmm. said earlier, Um, you need to be solution oriented. So I think that's super important. And I think how you get grit is through life experience. Mm -hmm. And just really Really, um, being able to pick yourself up when things don't go well, and that is part of life, period, end of story. So I think to me, when I interview candidates, when I think about why I am where I am today, it's that grit. And I think that's in large part because my parents allowed me to fail and I learned Mm -hmm. how to solve my own problems and no one saved me all the time. Um, So I think grit is key to success. I love that you said that about your family because Mm -hmm. I was the youngest or I am the youngest of five kids. And it was always up to us to create our own fun or to kind of solve our own problems. And my parents were there when we really needed them, but they really did try to teach us to kind of solve our own problems. And yeah. I think that's so important for getting older and especially with starting a business, um, which is what we're now going to dive into. To start kind of the career section of this podcast, I wanted to ask what your first job out of college was. Okay, I love this. So um, I was on my school newspaper. I went to University Mm -hmm. of San Diego, and I was always passionate about communication and journalism. And so my first job out of college was actually an internship at a local TV station. Mm -hmm. And that internship led to me being hired as a writer for the nightly news in San Diego. And from there, I would work after hours 
and I would put my tape together. I had a lot of mentors there who mm-hmm. allowed me to go out in the field with them. And I'd be like, wait, can I shoot a stand-up? <laughs> um, and they were really patient. Um, so that I then sent my tape out to TV stations mm-hmm. across the country. And I have to say, I got a lot of no's, and I was yeah. not giving up. My voice wasn't right. I wasn't the person they were looking for. If I, you know, they were looking for someone else. And I finally got my first job in Beaumont, Texas. I had never been there. I had probably never even been to Texas. And my husband was my boyfriend at the time. And he drove me across the country and he said, where are you going to live? I go, hold on, let me call, you know, City Hall and find out where the a nice apartment place is. <laughs> I landed there and I started my reporting career. So, I mean, it took like, again, being okay with rejection, keep trying, never give up. And um, after a year, I decided to move back to San Diego and go into marketing because I was, my husband and I were getting married. And I always wondered, like, I just have this chapter in my life and I'm not sure how it applies to my future. And today I do a lot of media interviews. I interview a lot of people as part of my job Mm. with Kapari. And I would say that whatever you're doing today and you're wondering why am I doing this, don't worry, all the dots will connect later in life. Yeah. I actually follow this YouTuber and she's a news reporter. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because she, her name's Clancy Burke. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this know who she is. But she really documents doing the night shifts. And it. I would be interested to hear if you ever had to work, like, crazy shifts when you were reporting. Oh, crazy shifts. She goes to bed, I think, at 6 p.m., then wakes up at 2. Mm-hmm. And she's so used to it. And she talks a lot about how in your early career, it's just something that you have to do. And you don't really think about it. But I'd be interested to hear if you ever... Yeah, and when I was um, a writer, I also had a night job as a reporter at an even smaller station. Mm -hmm. Um, So I worked tons of hours. Um, When I was a reporter in Beaumont, I would work the night shift or if there was a breaking news story, you would be called in the middle of the night to prison breakout. My mom was like, wait, where are you going? And I'm like, don't worry, we'll be fine. Um, You worked holidays. So, I mean, I was a fill-in anchor, for example, on Christmas Day because the seasoned anchors got the day off. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of sacrifice, but I never saw it as sacrifice because I'm like, I'm living my dream and I owned it. I was doing what I wanted to do. Um, So it just felt like a gift every day. But I mean, I moved to a town where I didn't know anyone or anything. And I just made it work. And I made, you know, wonderful friends and just really lived my best life um, wherever I was. Yeah. And I'm actually from Texas. I don't know if you knew that. Yes. But yeah, but it's from Dallas, Dallas which is a lot different than Beaumont. Yeah. I've actually never been to Beaumont, but It's very small. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely that small town feel. And then this is kind of going back, but in college, how did you kind of find the industry that you knew you wanted to go into? I think it was just circumstantial. Like Mm -hmm. I was a communications major. I was always interested in that. I always felt like that was one of my strengths. And um, I happened to stumble upon the school newspaper Mm -hmm. and I went into the office and I say, hey, I really want to contribute and learn from you. Mm -hmm. And it kind of evolved from there. Um, I don't think you need a clear path and need to know exactly what you're going to do when you enter college or even afterward. I think life is 
is kind of a discovery process Mm -hmm. and you need to be a student of that process and understand that, you know, there's going to be twists and turns in the road. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. I think a lot of people, when I was in college, they thought that they had to do this certain internship and then the second internship to get where they needed to be. But I think career paths are so malleable and you can really figure it out. Like you said earlier, that it takes time too. You don't necessarily need to have kind of step A, step B, step C. I agree, especially in today's environment. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think a lot of people do what they think they're supposed to do or what their parents want them to do. Um, And I find a lot of people go down these paths. Um, I was recently talking to a woman and she's like, I was going to be a doctor, and then I decided this really isn't right for me, and I totally switched, um, you know, careers. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just really, like, testing different things and learning and finding out where your passion lies. Mm -hmm. And then after you had been in that industry for a while, kind of going into starting Kapari, what was the process like when you knew that you wanted to start your own business? So we'll take a step back. Mm -hmm. I went from journalism to marketing to PR for a biotech Mm -hmm. company. So again, there were those twists and turns, and I learned a lot every step of the way. When I had my second child, Mm -hmm. um, I decided to stay home because, one, it made more financial sense, to be honest, at the Mm -hmm. time. And two, I really um, wanted to stay at home, I think, because I didn't have stay-at-home parents. So I think you always want what you don't have, so I wanted to experience that. I stayed home for 12 years, um, and I was always active. I was building a marketing program for the school, so I was always kind of had one foot in, one foot out. Um, But after my youngest went to kindergarten, um, it had been one of my lifelong dreams to start my own product line, and I was using coconut oil in the kitchen because I was really concerned about health and wellness. So I was cooking with it. Mm -hmm. um, And I had read it had so many benefits for skin and hair. So I started using it. I was using it on my kids. I was using it on my 86-year-old dad. And the benefits were so immediate. I was like, wow, no one's really planted their flag in coconut oil. Two, at the time, clean and natural wasn't very mainstream. It was kind of just like for the whole foods of the world. And I said, how great would it be to take this amazing ingredient that has so many benefits Mm -hmm. to make our products clean, but do it in a fun, playful, like beach-oriented way? Um, Because we are from San Diego, um, and the beach is such a big part of our lives. And we had so many inspiring brands like Billabong and Roxy and all of these surf brands that Mm -hmm. really talked about more than a product but a lifestyle. So I uh, went to my husband, who's been in the beauty business for three generations, Mm -hmm. and brought him the idea. And he worked in his um, family business. And after a lot of discussion and back and forth, We both decided that it was worth the risk in our 40s to pursue our dream because we we both thought we'd rather not wonder what if um, at the end of our day. So we started on the journey, and we just started from the ground up. And just like when you're doing a research paper – We went out and researched all of this information. My husband had a lot of contacts because Mm -hmm. of his history, but it was really something that was new um, to both of us. So we went to our 
a friend of ours from college who was a serial entrepreneur, and he started Suja Juice. And we brought him the idea, and he goes, you're never going to believe this. Three people have come to me with a similar concept, one being our other co-founder, Kiana. Mm. And he just goes from zero to 100, which we kind of needed because mm. Bryce and I are more steady. Um but so in one month, we met her, launched the brand, and it was full speed ahead. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. It was insane. And like the synergy and the timing, mm-hmm. it was like the current was starting and we are like, we just got to jump mm-hmm. on this current and keep going. And we never looked back. Yeah. That's so interesting that you didn't know Kiana beforehand. I was actually, one of my questions was how you met her. Yeah. And no. I always thought she was maybe a college friend or something that you just stayed in touch with. But no, we just had never, the same idea. Yeah. We've, we had never met each other. Mm-hmm. Um, James, who was our friend from college that we went to meet, was the connection. Okay. And we had blind faith. It's so crazy because mm-hmm. I look back and I'm like, oh, my gosh, would I have done this over again? Like not knowing someone and jumping into business with them. But mm-hmm. it all worked out. Going back to my earlier point, mm-hmm. like you have to have some faith. And I think yeah. Kiana and I are a great yin and yang to each other. Yeah. Um, so it's worked out amazingly well. And I think one important thing for all of us is to recognize our strengths and what we're good at and then recognize other people's and lean into that as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some of your strengths versus Kiana's strengths? Well, and how I, you guys complement each yeah, other? Yeah, Kiana is super creative, so mm-hmm. I can have a vision and she can really execute that and all of the details around it. Um, So her creativity is incredible. Um, And we both have the same vision for the brand. So Mm -hmm. it's great because we can, we already know what we like. I mean, so I really trust her in that capacity. I would say I'm really decisive. I'm a great leader. Mm -hmm. I can bring people together. Um, I'm one of those people that's like, make a decision and do it quickly, even if it's a wrong decision, mm-hmm. but use whatever data and insights you have to help make that decision. Yeah. So um, I also have a lot of life experience. I mean, mm-hmm. Kiana's just starting her family and I have teenagers. Um, so I think it's really complimentary. She's got this fresh, new, young perspective and I have this experienced perspective mm-hmm. at 45. So I think the combination of those two different generational perspectives um, is huge. Yeah, I feel like I don't know a lot of brands that were started by founders who are in different life stages it's usually mm-hmm. really young kids or people who are in their 20s and I definitely feel like that could be so beneficial for starting a business it's huge I think um I always say like Kiana we didn't even know each other four years ago and now we're like inseparable oh, I um but I think the different generational perspective is huge mm-hmm. it's brought a lot of worth to the company yeah And then people may not know actually about Kapari, but I wanted to ask, what are the actual benefits of using coconut in your products? 
<clears throat> so coconut has one of the highest fatty acid concentrations mm -hmm. of any oil on the planet. So, um, and it's antibacterial and antimicrobial. So not only is it very hydrating, but it's also a great carrier oil um, for other natural ingredients. So we're not only about coconut oil, we use every part of the coconut. Mm -hmm. So we use the water, the shells. Um, oh, wow, we I use, didn't know you used the shells. Yes, too. in our crushed coconut shell scrub. The oh, body scrub, which you love my so much. Product. Yeah. yeah. So we use every aspect of the coconut, but it's not just about coconut. We kick coconut oil and other byproducts mm -hmm. up a notch with other natural ingredients. So we use aloe, charcoal, we use um, CBD now. Mm -hmm. So um, it's not only about the coconut, but it's those other natural ingredients. And then the other thing about Kapari is our products are clean, and most importantly, they work. I mean, yeah. when we think about our deodorant, so many people are concerned about making the switch to a clean deodorant because they're mm -hmm. like, that's great, it's clean, but it doesn't work. Yeah. And and um, ours has 9,000 five-star reviews. Mm -hmm. Cosmo's editor was like, I've been searching for a natural deodorant, and I finally found one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that the effective part is super important. Mm -hmm. And I think what's really made our brand stand out is it was developed from all of our hearts, and it had a really unique perspective. It wasn't yeah. just about selling a product. It was about a lifestyle. It was about this aspirational but attainable um, mm -hmm. lifestyle. And, like, when people use our products, they're, like, they're so transportive. The, the scents, the mm -hmm. textures, I feel like, you know, it's like I'm being taken away to the beach. Yeah, and I was going to ask about that because – a lot of people are jumping on the clean beauty yeah. bandwagon. And so I've personally seen so many different brands in the space. Do you feel that for that reason, the kind of transport away is how you guys dif differentiate Kapari from those other brands? Because um, from my perspective, I feel like a lot of those brands, the packaging is very kind of minimal. It's very, it looks clean. But I think what's so cool about your products is they're just fun they're fun. fun when I see them in the shower. It's like, oh, I really want to use this because it's a hot pink container and it's pretty and it does remind me of the beach. Yeah, and you just smiled when you were talking about it. And yeah. I think, you know, one, we were early to the clean space before mm -hmm. it was even in, you know, all of the mainstream retailers. So we were mm -hmm. one of the first. Two, yeah, that is what is unique about our products. Like, we want to give you that moment of reprieve and self-care, and our bright packaging was very purposeful because at the time when we launched, mm -hmm. it was all minimal. And yeah. you know what? I'm like, I'm clean, but I'm kind of sassy, and I like bright yeah. colors. So it was um, developing that voice and that aesthetic that was unique to us. Like we say we give a stiff middle finger to sulfates. We mm -hmm. kick parabens to the curb, you know? So it's like how we really talk. Yeah, and that and translates to the products. Yeah, and it's simple. It's easy. It's conversational. It's yeah. not unattainable or confusing. Uh -huh. Is the deodorant your number one selling product? Yes, it's our number one selling product. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, again, I go back to the reason being, one, it works, which is the most important part. And two, it glides on clear. It doesn't stain your clothes, mm. which I know a lot of people, it seems like a small concern, but everyone's so sick of having deodorant all over their clothes. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, the scent profiles really pe take people away. Yeah. Yeah, I really love 
Because I've tried other ones, but they just aren't the same. They don't actually work. I feel like this is turning into an ad, but it really is great. It's seriously the best deodorant. And then kind of going off on the entrepreneurship aspect, mm -hmm. I wanted to ask if there are a lot of people who they want to start a business and they kind of have this image in their head of what it means to be an entrepreneur. What do you think is the biggest myth that people think about when starting their own business that maybe actually isn't true? I would say you have to be super passionate mm -hmm. and dedicated to whatever you're going to do because I'm going to be totally transparent here and mm -hmm. say these past five years have been some of the most difficult yeah. of my life. And I haven't always had an easy life, but mm -hmm. it's not an easy road. Um, I've got three kids, so balancing kids, work, and you have this emotional connection when you launch a brand. It's mm -hmm. almost as if it's an extension of you. Mm -hmm. So it's very personal and it's very different than working for someone else. Because oh, yeah. you are invested wholeheartedly in this like I am in my kids. Um, and I also work with my husband, which adds another layer mm -hmm. to you know the whole experience. I wouldn't change it for the world. I've learned more in five years and I have probably mm -hmm. in my entire life, but it's not for the faint at heart. Yeah. So just know that going in, keep your day job while you <laughs> figure it out. Mm -hmm. And then if you really believe in it, don't let anyone stop you. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really agree with that. I think what I do is definitely different, but I relate to the aspect of being an influencer. It's pretty much your job to like show your life. And so it is very personal. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard when people kind of critique your business when it is your life and it is something that you're so passionate about and it's almost like a fourth kid you yeah. know that you have to tend to so and I think she, you hit on an important note like you can't take things personally but when your career is part of who you are it's really hard to balance that yeah yeah. yeah. And I imagine you probably read like reviews of your products and then maybe you get one that's really mean or something. Yeah. Do those things ever affect you or do you see it more as like, oh, this is constructive for I creating see a better it, product? I see it two ways. I see it as constructive. And if I see themes across mm -hmm. um, reviews or comments, I'm like, we really need to take those themes to heart. Yeah. Um but then if there's someone who really doesn't like a product, I'm like, well, you can either try another one of our products mm -hmm. or maybe it's not for you. And I'm okay yeah. with that. Like you can't please everyone all the time, mm -hmm. whether it be personally or professionally. Mm -hmm. So I just balance it all out. Yeah, I like yeah. that. It's very hard to not take those things personally. I think mine's a little bit different because it is more like my life versus a product that I'm selling. Exactly. Um, but I could see if I ever started a business just reading all the reviews. And I'm sure you have someone else who does this, not Well, I'm you. very um, in tune to the reviews and I okay. spend a ton of time in our retailers. Mm -hmm. So I get information firsthand. Um, and I think the consumer's voice when there are common themes is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And I think sitting in an office and not being connected to your consumer, whether it's mm -hmm. through those reviews or comments or being in store is one of the biggest mistakes you can make. Yeah, I love that because I think it would be very tempting to see yourself as a founder, as someone who is kind of above being with your customers, mm -hmm. but I love that you value that. I see it as opposite. I work mm -hmm. for them. Yeah, 
Yeah, That's honestly. Um, and we can read all the trend reports and do all of that. But when you get consistent mm-hmm. feedback from consumers, like that is the aha moment. And it's so funny that you bring that point up as a founder because even internally, people are like, well, you're the founder in our company. And I'm like, everyone just stop saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm a mother. I work hard and I'm here to support the business and connect with the consumer, connect with influencers. I don't see myself as a founder. Like every night I go home and I cook dinner and do laundry. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm here in New York right now. I brought my mother-in-law and my daughter. Like I just don't view myself any mm-hmm. differently than I view anyone else. Yeah. And you kind of touched on family just now. And I mm-hmm. wanted to go into starting a business and raising a family because I listen to a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. and they're very career-based and I listen to them from founders and mm-hmm. all about how they start their business. But I think it's so interesting to hear it from the perspective of someone who's a mom Yeah, because I actually grew up with my mom staying home mm-hmm. and I really appreciated that because mm-hmm. I felt like we got to spend a lot of quality time together. But right. She was similar where there were five of us, and so she was always doing other things, too, and we kind of had to tend to ourselves. But I'd be interested to hear if you have any, not really tips, but just general maybe perspective that you have about Mm -hmm. having that work-life balance between raising a family and running a company. Well, I want to start off by saying I'm so grateful that I had the choice and opportunity to stay home for 12 years. It was a huge gift, and by the way, It's the hardest job on earth, Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes it feels thankless, but the reward is, I think, the bond and, you know, the respect I was able to build with my three kids. Mm -hmm. Um, The journey now, having gone back to work, is really hard. It's hard Mm -hmm. to balance. You sometimes miss some great events. Um, my in-laws have been super supportive and filling in and helping, um, you know, attend those events, but I'm just going to be totally transparent and say it's hard, especially with teenagers who need you. Um, there's a lot of different teenage issues that I feel like I can deal with, but then when I'm working and traveling, like it's hard to follow up on that. Mm -hmm. But what I really try and do is wherever I am, I try and be very present, So it's kind of quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I'm with my kids, I try and be really focused, really talk to them about not what's going on in their life from a sports or um, school perspective, but Mm -hmm. what's really going on in their heart. How are Mm -hmm. they really feeling and having those connected conversations with them and giving them the room to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a balance. And Mm. I'm still doing all the house duties. My husband's a great partner in that. So, Mm. you know, I'll prep dinner. He'll cook it because he cooks better than I do. (laughs) Um, I do two loads of laundry a night. Mm. Um, I think the positive side of it is my kids have grown to be very independent over the past five years. Mm. One. Two, they were all old enough to see this journey start, to see where it's evolved and what it's taken. And it's been the best lesson that you can pay for in a school, Mm -hmm. um, in an internship, because they've had to live it. And they've actually made the sacrifices with Mm -hmm. us, knowing mom can't be here for this, but I'm going to keep moving forward and do my best in what my responsibilities are. Yeah. Do you think it's hard 
I'm filming a video this week on like the morning routines of different founders, like me Mm -hmm. trying them. And I'm basing it off these articles. But a lot of them, they talk about how the minute they wake up in the morning or right before they go to bed, it's doing work things. So they're on their phone, responding to emails, doing those things. Do you think it's hard to kind of turn off when you go home? Is it possible? Or is it... I've disciplined myself to turn off, Mm. really. And like I try and compartmentalize. So like in the morning, I do a visualization. Mm. It really helps start my day. And it's like, what does your day look like if it's a bad day? Mm. And what does it look like if it's a good day? Mm. And how you play a role in that and who you need to be to go on the good day path. So I think that those routines are really important and you're more productive, actually. Mm. Then my focus in the morning is the kids getting them ready, breakfast, etc. Then I go to work And I'm zoned in 100% to work, and I've got the whole week planned out on Sunday. So Mm -hmm. everyone knows what's going on. We've got a family meeting. Here's all the moving parts. Um, And then at the end of the day, like I said, I come home. We have a family dinner if the Mm -hmm. kids aren't at sports. And then um, one thing I like to do before I go to bed is just write a list so I can get it out of my head and kind of close it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Because sometimes when you write things down, the things in your head stop bumping Spinning. around. And yeah, they're exactly. just on the paper, and then you can know that tomorrow it's yeah. going to get done. I'm definitely a huge fan of doing that. And then I also wanted to ask, you mentioned that your husband's a big part of the business yeah. too. What's that like running a business while also running it with your husband, or at least having him help yeah. out? Um, like I said, it's a really big challenge because – all of the lines start to blur. So work Mm -hmm. comes into home, home comes into work. But I think over the past five years, we've gotten really good at being like, okay, here are our boundaries. We talk about work at work, Mm -hmm. at home, we're focused on the kids. And then if like on the weekend, we need to have a conversation about work, it's like, Mm -hmm. let's set aside the time, make it a definitive amount of time. And then we have to go back to family life. Um, but it's hard because you've got these two people that are like in this high octane situation. Um, and so in, you're in the same situation. Yeah. So if you were working somewhere else, like I could come home and be like, oh my gosh, I had such a hard day at work, honey. And But it's hard to do that with each other. Yeah. Because we're both in it. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's like, I already know you had a bad Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So you really kind of need that outside resource. Mm -hmm. And my husband's joined some, um, you know, organizations where he gets that support. So he doesn't have to come to me. And I have a lot of a really strong network of female founders and Mm -hmm. friends. So we're able to kind of get that support elsewhere. I think we also have really different styles of um, communication and leadership, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And not one is better than the other, but sometimes it's difficult. Whereas our style at home is very complimentary. That makes sense. So that's where the challenge is. But we have known each other since we were 20 years old. Um, we have a really strong foundation, um, and we really love each other, and we mm-hmm. put each other first because at the end of the day, nothing matters more than each other and our family, and we're not going to sacrifice that for work. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned how you have 
kind of other female founders to go to. Yeah. And one of the questions I had was, is there someone in your life who you think is your biggest role model, either as a mom or a mm-hmm. businesswoman? So I was thinking about that question. There's so many incredible women that I've met on this journey. I have mm-hmm. so many incredible friends who are so resilient. But um, like I said, my mother-in-law is actually on this trip with me, and I would say she's such a big mentor for me because um, not only did she put family first and set a great example for me, but she also worked when the kids were young. Um, She's very resilient, has Mm -hmm. been through a lot, and yet she always remains positive. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel like a lot of people don't have that relationship with their mother-in-law. So. Well, I'll be honest, too. Like, it didn't start off perfect, mm-hmm. but we had open and honest communication, and we built a really great relationship. I mean, I've been married now to Bryce for 18 years. Wow. And my, I always tell my mother-in-law, like, thank you for being such a big part of our family's life. Mm-hmm. Like, we have raised them together. And there's actually statistics that show, like, when grandparents are involved, like, mm-hmm. the kids are less likely to go down the wrong path. Huh. Um, so whenever there's a problem in my house, I call her, I get my perspective, get her perspective. Mm-hmm. And, like, I really feel like it's a joint venture. Mm-hmm. It takes a village. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's so sweet. And then my last question that I have for me personally, I'm all into routines right now. As I said, I'm yes, filming that love video. That. What is your ideal? You kind of already touched on your morning routine. Yeah. So I'd be interested to hear, do you have like an ideal night routine? Okay. Which obviously changes because you do have kids. And I feel like right. kids. But I will say, I think routines are really important mm. for yourself and for your kids. So yeah. I think the more you can kind of schedule stuff and everyone knows what's expected, um, the easier the roadmap is for the week. And then you've got to, like, plan fun, too. Yeah. Fun is really important for happiness, whether it's dancing or singing or laughing. Mm. Um, but routines are huge for me, and I've always been very routine-oriented. Um, so it's visualization, exercise, um, and having that little bit of fun, whether it's mm. coffee with a friend. So those three things are super important mm. for my self-care. Um, my night routine is, like I said, usually a family dinner, um, talking on the couch. I love to play cards with the kids. Um, and then I also love to scratch the kids back at night uh-huh. because it's an opportunity for us to like just connect and talk the two of us Aww. and kind of... I want them to remember, like, my mom put me to bed Mm. um, and just have that comfortable, cozy feeling. And Mm. I remember being young and loving that. Yeah, that's so funny you mentioned that because in my family, we had this thing where we, like, rub each other's feet. And when I talk to other people, they're like, that's so weird. You guys would just sit around and rub each other's feet. But it was the sweetest thing. And I just felt like... Kind of having that intimacy in your family is really special. Yeah. No one talks about it. They all say, scratch my back. And then they go, scratch my head. Then scratch. I'm like, wait, you guys, this is overboard. Let me just scratch your back. Yeah. So good. I love that. But I think people need that physical connection. Like, I'm a big hugger. I hug my kids. I'm like, don't leave the house. I want to give you a hug before you leave. So I hug people. And sometimes I'm like, wait, should I not have done that? But like... I just feel like that physical connection um, and just warmth. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you mentioned exercise. Yes. What are some of your favorite forms? Okay, I love the Peloton. Really? I got it a year ago, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I hope this just doesn't end up being, like, where I hang my dirty laundry. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I set a goal last year to have a hundred rides in one year. I did it. It's so fun. It's so easy. Like I can just jump on the bike for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45. Um, I don't have to leave the house. So like if the kids need me or whatever, and a lot of times I'm like, I don't have time to exercise with the Peloton. You don't have that excuse. So I absolutely love that. I love yoga and I love running. Man, that's like everything. Yeah. I'm bad at weights. I'm totally bad at weights. Yeah. And that's what people always tell me. Like, you should really try to do weights more. I'm like, I just love cardio. I love feel car- so good. Same. I'm in the same boat. And I wish I could get more into weights, but I just have not gotten there. It's hard. Yeah. Maybe one day. Yeah. But I now want to go into the questions. So there were a few questions I got from my viewers on Instagram. And there are actually a lot, but I picked three that I thought were my favorite. Okay, perfect. And the first one was kind of going off. I think it is. Is it Women's Month? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So this one kind of goes with that. But what do you think is the biggest preconception you've faced as a woman in business, if there is one? I think what's hard as a woman in business is when you have some of the traits, which I do, of Mm -hmm. like what are perceived as male, they're construed differently. Mm -hmm. So if I'm decisive, I could be construed as bossy. Or if I'm like, let's cross the finish line and very focused, it could be construed as controlling. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that you uh, people associate certain characteristics when a woman has those traits versus a man. So I think that's a little bit of a difficulty. Mm -hmm. Um, But the bottom line is this, I work, the majority of our office is female. So I think that I encounter less of that. Yeah. Um, some of the issues that are more mainstream. Yeah, it makes a big difference being in an all-female or mostly female company. My first job out of college was at an agency that was all women, and it was just so interesting. You see all those little things that you don't have when you interact with maybe more like men in the business world. But, I mean, you also work with your husband, too. So it's not like all men are. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, my husband has a lot of respect for women. He was Mm -hmm. always very close to his mom. He really respects me. So Mm -hmm. you feel that and see that. So I don't deal with a lot of the issues that you may deal with in a more Mm male-dominated, you know, career. Yeah. And then the next one is... Did anyone tell you it was a bad idea when you were starting your company? So maybe just doubt from others in your life. There's always going to be the doubters. There's mm-hmm. always going to be the haters. And you just have to block that out and move forward. I think there are people in your life who are mentors who are realistic about what part they think is going to work and mm-hmm. what part they don't. But at the end of the day, you have to believe in it and mm-hmm. you have to listen to your gut. Yeah, and you kind of started talking about that when you mentioned the importance of passion when starting your business, because at the end of the day, that's the fuel that keeps you going, and if you're relying on the opinions of other people to keep going, then you're just going to crash and burn, and that's something I've realized for myself is it's like a daily thing remembering why I'm doing what I'm doing and why it's not dependent on how other people feel, so mm-hmm. I love I that. would say your biggest enemy or your biggest advocate is going to be your own voice yeah. in your head. Yeah, because that's ultimately the most that you listen to throughout mm-hmm. the day. It's just you talking to yourself, mm-hmm. so... And clearing that voice in your head and making it more positive is super important. Yeah. 
And then for anyone who might be interested in going into the beauty industry, what do you feel like are the best ways to network? Which is a little bit different than starting a business in the beauty industry. I think this is more. There's so many amazing organizations now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually going to the female founder um, event tomorrow. And that's Mm -hmm. more on the founder perspective. So it's not just beauty. Mm -hmm. But um, there's so many amazing beauty organizations like Mm -hmm. Indie Beauty, um, Beauty Con. So all of these different networking opportunities. Um, CEW. So I would just research those organizations Mm -hmm. and I would say if you really want to get your foot in the door in the beauty industry um, an internship and there Mm -hmm. are paid internships is the best way to learn Mm -hmm. quickly and get your first job it's how I got mine okay yeah and I think it really helps to learn if you actually want to go in that industry Mm -hmm. too because if you just get a job without ever trying it you know you may not know if it's actually the right fit exactly I love that but That is everything that I had to talk to you about today. I'm so thankful that you're on the podcast, though. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm so happy to see you again. And again, we met a month ago, (laughs) and now we're seeing each other again, and the world brought us together. And I'm so proud of everything that you're doing. Thank you. And if you guys want to check out Gigi's information, I'll have it in the show notes. And also, Kapari, if you guys want to check it out, again, the deodorant and the scrub are two of my favorite products if you want to check them out. And that is it for today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed. If you did, feel free to leave a review in the show notes. I believe it's in the show notes. I think it's somewhere around there, but definitely leave a review. I would love to hear what you guys think. And also, all of our information, per usual, will be in the show notes. So if you guys want to check out either Gigi or my information, it'll all be there. And again, I'm just so grateful everyone's listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Let me know if you did. And I will catch you guys in my next episode. Bye, friends.